Wow, thank you guys. So honored. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. I am absolutely humbled and honored to be here this morning. I have journeyed with you from a distance, obviously being so connected to your lead pastor, but just watching what God has done in this church right in this moment, I would say the last three or four years is unbelievable. Uh, I've you know, I'm Hispanic. We, we don't normally have filters on our mouths, so I'm just going to keep it 100 with you this morning, okay? You people in this church are spoiled rotten. You are spoiled rotten in this church. You got a brand new building. Come on, look at this building. This is beautiful. You got incredible kids ministry. I know you have fire youth ministry. That is all gas. Come on, where are the stu- students at? All the young people who came back from camp. I'm telling you. And then, of course, I think it's a, listen, the worship team. Give it up for this worship team. I, I walked over to Pastor Joe. I'm like, your team has depth, not talent, depth. There's a difference. If you ever complain about this church, you might as well punch yourself in the throat, okay? Twice. So I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I think it's a quality reflect, a reflection of just incredible leadership that's in Pastor Joel and Pastor Jen and the whole family. Come on, can you give it up for the Scriveners? They're incredible leaders have stood some real tests over the last 10 years and have come out just incredibly favored and I'm honored to watch your life as well. I don't know who can lead this kind of church through a pandemic. My gosh, the most stressful job in 2020 and 2021 was the job of a senior pastor because you didn't know what chapter of the book of Revelations you were pastoring from week to week. I'm telling you, it was intense, it was chaotic, and yet you're still here, you ain't going nowhere, and I'm, I'm inspired by you, so thank you so much for letting me be here. Um, I, I recognize this is my first time at Oaks, so let me tell you my story so you know where this crazy Mexican is coming from, okay? Um, I grew up on the border of the United States of Mexico. I am from Texas. We just repositioned. We, we used to live in California and we repositioned back to Texas because the nature of what I do, I travel a lot. Dallas is a lot easier to travel out of. But I grew up on the border and all, you've probably heard of my city, but for all the wrong reasons. Let's just be honest because nobody vacations in my city, all right? You go there, number one, to visit family or you go there, number two, to do something illegal. That's the only reason. I'm not lying, all right? If you heard about all the cartel wars, all the drug trafficking, all the killing, okay, those are all my cousins. <laughs> so... You know, family can be fun or it can, you know, be dangerous. It was just never in between. So, it, you know, it wasn't long. By the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, and an anger issue. But I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here? Yeah, Trista, anyone else? Yeah, I, all four of you. That's great. So I would go to this church that had a gym, and they'd open up before their youth service to fill it up with students and, and then get all the students from the gym into the service. Well, in that transition, I would dip and leave them to find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor got involved in my life, and one day he came to me. He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? Now, honest to God, I had no idea what it was. What you guys just came back from, okay, I had no idea what that was, all right? He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I said, there are going to be hot girls at this camp. Then we find women at this guy. I was a six-year-old little pervert. Okay, I had no idea what I was saying. And he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. <laughs> I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and called into ministry all in one night, baby. The game-changing night for your boy. And I ain't been the same ever since. God has walked whatever I have given him into places like youth ministry, missions. In the last 14 years of my life, I've spent really dedicated to raising and releasing this next wave of influencers and voices that I believe are in this room. They're going to be holy disruptions in the area of politics, business, medicine, the church, educate. Come on, anybody got, anybody got faith and sight for this? 
It's incredible, but I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Oaks Church. Come on, how many excited about being in the building? Come on, how many excited about being in church? And I brought uh, some of my incredible family with me. I, I, you know, Hispanics don't travel in small numbers. We're like, we like moving herds, all right? So like, started on this side. I got my mom right here. Come on, can you guys give it up for my mother? She's in the front row. And then, of course, I have my mother-in-law, my father-in-law in the back over there. Can you welcome them? They, they live down the road. So um, my brother-in-law owns this gold and silver store that's right here next to the pizza spot you probably hit up after this. So a uh, little plug there, whatever. Um, but um, I have my incredible wife, Erica. We just celebrated 19 years last month. She's right here on the front row, Erica. We just got back from vacation yesterday as well. So... And then I've got my two oldest out of four. I got my son, Elisha. Elisha, would you wave your hand? And my oldest daughter, Jasmine, right here. Um, yeah, we've got four beautiful kids. We multiply. We're Hispanic. That's what we do. Um, she wants more. I don't. Pray for her. Not me. All right? It's con- something's broken. But I can't think of a better place to be. Now, I don't, can you tell? I don't do no quiet church. I'm too Hispanic for that. All right? Come on, where the caramel brown people at? Come on, caramel. Make some, yeah, uh-huh. Yep, and we got some chocolate in the room. Where you at, chocolate? Everybody, everybody loves some. And we got a lot of whipped cream up in McKinney this morning, I'll tell you that. All right, it don't matter what flavor you are, everybody got a sweet tooth in here, all right? So, I need, it don't matter what flavor you are, I need you to talk back to me. Can you do that? Somebody shout yes. yes. Say, come on, somebody. Yes. Say, some on, somebody. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to spell that. That's a big word like mayonnaise. I don't know how to spell that either. So, are you ready for the word? Yes. Oaks, are you ready for the word? All right, I believe that. Hey, do me a favor. Turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. For crying out loud, I know what generation we live in, okay? Turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings 6. If you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. My Bible says it's the Word of God that's living and active, not what it shows up on or what it's written on. I just care that you have your Bible. Keep your Bible charged, all right? In 2 Kings chapter 6, to really give you a blank canvas of what's taking place in this text, you have this wicked king who is always trying to create conflict with the nation of Israel. And several times, countless times, he will come up with ideas, sometimes in the middle of the night, in his own bedroom, and call in his advisors, his generals, his counselors, to come in, he says, I want to execute this plan. And they start piecing it together and building a framework. And he would share his plan, his wicked, demonically inspired idea, with his uh, circle of advisors. And it would end up in their hearing, but it would also end up in a pair of ears he didn't expect, and this was the prophet Elisha. Now, I love Elisha. I love Elisha so much, I named my firstborn after him. I love this prophet. One of, the favorite out of Jesus in Scripture is Elisha to me. And so Elisha, in this wicked king would share it, the Bible says he would hear it in the spirit, and he would hear everything the king would say. The Bible says he would hear it even in the privacy of his own bedroom. Come on, that's awkward. This is awkward. The Bible be like ambushing some stuff on you and just be like, he hears everything, even in your bedroom. You know, like, so, so like he, this wicked king would come up with these ideas. Elisha would hear it. He'd tell the king of Israel, hey, you're about to be invaded. Send reinforcements and garrisons to this place. And sure enough, they would fight off the surprise attack. Well, this wicked king gets so upset, finally frustrated after a failed attempt after a failed attempt. And he calls all the same circle advisors and he says, all right, all right, which of you is the traitor? Which of you, I got a leak in my administration, someone's tweeting stuff out, like what's going on, right? And, and all of a sudden, you've got people who are like, oh, 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 um, it's not us. They have a prophet. 
who hears everything you say, even in the privacy of your own bedroom. You know that king was like, <laughs> right? And they said, well, tell me where this man is at so that I may seize him. And they, he said, well, Elisha is at Dothan. Dothan means cutting. That's a whole prophetic message in itself. And so they said, well, tell, he said, send a whole army for this one guy. So literally, he sends an entire army for one guy. And this is where we're beginning eating this morning out of God's word. Verse 14, look at this. It says, so one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The servant, this young man, cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. There are more with us than against us. Come on, that's, we could have church right there. I'm telling you, there's enough win on that. There are more with us. Can I just say it again? There are more with your family. There's more with your babies. There's more with your destiny. There's more with America. There's more in your job. There's more, always more with us than against us. And then he prayed, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes. Say that with me. Open and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Man, there's so much here and we're gonna taste it all. But first, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the atmosphere, for the leverage. Lord, I sense a breaking point now for this church. I sense something fresh, a, a, a next being pulled into the now. And I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ to flood every heart. I thank you, God. I speak to this atmosphere and I say that you are full of faith. You are full of hope. You are full of peace. You are full of joy. I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every demonic harassment. I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every man and every woman, I call them into alignment. I call them into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I call them into favor. I call them into strength. I call them into destiny. Lord, we call them into identity now. Move us towards the front lines. We release this now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. 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 I want to speak to you from this subject, but I want to I want to preface it with this before I share it with you because I have I, I really have no political, cultural propaganda attached to this title. No lie, when the Lord gave me this message, I really heard these words and I'm like, God, that's a dope title. So we're gonna call it that. I always speak to you from this subject. I wanna talk to you about stay woke. I believe we need woke people again. And I am not talking about a natural wokeness that's in the earth right now, especially in America, because a natural wokeness, all it does is notices the problem. And then it goes on to the other thing and notices that problem. And all it does is highlights problems. There is a spiritual wokeness that knows the problem, but also knows the answer. 
It knows the confusion, but also knows the clarity. It knows the pain, but it also knows the purpose. And we need more spiritually woke people again. We need dangerous ones. We need weaponized ones. We need ones who are fiery. We need ones who are mighty. Where are the woke who can see through the headlines, see through the social media feeds, see through the opinion polls, see through the culture wars, see through the lies. Come on, we need woke people who knew what it was like to be asleep in sin, asleep in addiction, asleep in pain, but the love of Almighty God touched your life, pulled you out of that coffin and woke you up and you will never fall asleep. You will never be tucked back in bed. Where are the woke at this morning? Are they in Oaks Church? I feel something fresh in this room. We need woke people again. I, I, I remember one time I was coming out of the gym. Don't be that impressed. It was a dodgeball tournament. Um, I wish I worked out like Joel. But uh, I, I actually, I, I, we were coming out, and I don't know about anybody else, but I like to win. Anyone else? Like, I, I like to win no matter what it is. I don't play to play. I play to win, all right? I don't play to have fun. I don't do that. Who does that? All right? I, I don't do that. That's soft. I don't do that. I play to win. It don't matter if I'm playing a video game with this guy or a matching game with my seven-year-old. I plan on destroying you. I plan on dominating you and winning. And don't come crying to me when you lose and go, Daddy, how come you don't give me no extra chances, Daddy? And how come you don't give me no head start, Daddy? And how come you don't help me out, Daddy? Ah! You're safe, but you're not soft. You better grow up, sissy. And listen, don't come crying to me. And definitely don't go crying to your mama because she's going to be the same way. She's like, well, level up then. You don't like L's, level up. Here's an L for you, level up. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is who we are as a family, all right? We don't, we, we don't like to lose, all right? So I'm coming out of this dodgeball tournament. We got eliminated early. I don't want to talk about it. I'm walking out and I get this text message on my phone. All right, text message starts off three different texts. You know these people who send like multiple texts? When they couldn't resell it, they could send it in one but these attention-seeking people need to send it in like five, right? Yeah, people are pointing at each other in this room. They're like, that's your problem. Someone just said, that's why you're single, right? So just helping you out. I'm gonna get somebody married by the end of church. Is they... I, so I, I remember, I get this text, this text, I'm sitting there, and the first text is like, yo, what's up? Next text, is this Darnisha? Next text, this Antoine from Saturday night. Now, Pastor Joel, honest, before Jehovah God, I meant to send back. This is not Darnisha. But to autocorrect on my phone, sent back, this is Darnisha. <laughs> to which Antoine hit back, sup, girl. So I didn't have anything else to do that night. So I just texted back. I said nothing, he, 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 emoji, 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 and it was on. And he said, what you doing right now? I said, well, I just got out the gym. I'm kind of tired. He said, you should go to bed. I'm thinking, oh, oh, oh. look at Antoine, 10 seconds in my life, speaking godly direction in my life. So I go, I go home, I shower, get in bed. And people know me. Like after nine o'clock, I'd normally tune out. I'm tired, right? And, and if you text me after nine, you're not getting an answer until the next morning. It's just my, our family knows that. Our team knows that. Everybody knows that, right? So I'm lying in bed. My wife's right next to me. She's reading her Bible. She's the real Christian. I'm just the preacher. And so I remember sitting there and, and all of a sudden my phone goes off, just like that. And I'm thinking, that could only be one person. Sure enough, it's Antoine who sent me a text. Sweet dreams, baby girl. So I get my phone and I am laughing out loud, literally typing. I'm like, <laughs> he don't even know. 
right? I'm laughing and my wife goes, who's that? I said, it's Antoine. <laughs> you ever try to make something sound normal and it's totally not, right? It's, she said, who's that? I said, it's Antoine. She says, who's Antoine? What does he want? I said, well, he, he want to talk to Darnisha. She said, who's Darnisha? I said, well, life's funny. I guess I'm Darnisha. <laughs> she said, no lie. She said, hold on. You're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. This went on for two weeks. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, no, I'm that pastor. I'm, I'm going to have fun with my life. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what you're doing with your boring self, but I'm going to have a good time. All right. So like this went on for two weeks. I would have kept it going longer. I'm 10 years. Shoot. I ought to come up with a good story. I'm creative enough. Right. But then at, at that two week mark, a lot of text messages. I remember I get this one. Hey, I want to see you again. <laughs> yeah. You, you and I both know some things have changed. Maybe upgraded, I don't know, but things are different, right? He says, hey, I wanna see you again. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking as soon as he sees me, he's gonna recognize I am not who I said I was. I think that's the same thing that the devil is scared of in the Oaks Church right now. That he is being exposed, uncovered. He is literally being dethroned, dearmed, defanged in every way. And the people in Oaks Church are literally prophesying, are literally healing the sick, are literally winning souls, raising leaders, re releasing revivalists, making disciples. I'm here to tell you there is something significant about this church. It's not an accident you're in McKinney. It's not an accident that in this service. We're going to all look back on these days and say, I remember when Oaks Church was small. I remember when it was only two services. I remember when we just got the building. I remember when we got there. I remember the first Sunday and now there is a mass explosion of vision and strategy from Africa to Asia. Come on, Australia. We think God wants to touch South America and it's all because God is waking up people in a way that he's never done it before and all you have to do is stay woke. That's it. We're not being put to sleep anymore by passiveness casual Christianity, comfort, spirituality. No, we're being exposed even in ourselves where God's saying, I want to birth more. Can I make room for more? Can I give you more? Can I trust you with more? I don't want to just give you ideas. I want to give you desire. I want to give you longing. I want to give you purpose. Where are the woke at who notice what it's like to be bombarded by purpose and destiny and vision? We need you to stay woke. And if we're gonna stay woke, there's three things you get to say with your life. Number one is I'm ahead. I live ahead. I don't live behind. I'm not catching up all the time. I stay ahead. I've met a lot of great believers around the world who are convinced somehow that like the devil knows more about their life, destiny, and future than they do. That's not even true. The devil's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not any of those things. He's not even theologically sound. What he does recognize is certain characteristics, spiritual, straight, uh, spiritual traits and patterns that come on the life of a man or a woman who's hungering for the things of God. He'll, he'll look on your life as, a, as you come out of camp and he'll sit in there and say, you see the prayer spark that's on the inside? That's the same way Mariah Woodworth Edder used to pray and she took all of Dallas. 
That's the same way Martin Luther King Jr. prayed. And he started a civil rights movement that has spanned around the globe. That's the same way Smith Wigglesworth used to pray. And I watched him literally cause damage to the kingdom of darkness. What he's noticing is your behind the scenes, your private, your spiritual, your hunger, your patterns, your desires, your mindsets. And he's going, they're getting ahead of me now. When you're woke, you get to say, I'm, I'm ahead. The Bible's very clear. It says, and this happened time and again. So this didn't just happen one time, Oaks, all right? This happened all the time to the point where he's frustrated and sends a whole army. I mean, I don't even know what that level of frustration is. I get frustrated my DoorDash isn't here when they say it's gonna be here. Can you imagine plans being canceled? You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he sends a whole army after one guy. This, this reminds me of how a holy disruption can come on a life. I mean, he literally is causing enemies of his country to not have any impact in his own country. But that would be like you knowing where the next mass shooting might happen. And you pray. And God says, go to this place at this time. There will be these people and there will be this equipment. There will be this there. And if you pray... I will give it to you. And then you get in touch with the right authorities and you tell them, hey, this place, this time, this person, this, this is what's going to happen. And they get there and they were able to shut down a terrorist attack. Friend, I'm telling you, we would shut down school shootings. We would shut down mass suicides. We would shut down overdoses. I'm telling you, with this fentanyl problem, it would be completely disrupted. Sex trafficking would be completely shut down. All the drug cartels would be completely torn apart. I'm telling you, this is what happens when you get woke. You get to say, I'm ahead. Here's the second thing you get to say. I'm an ambush. I'm an ambush. I got news for you. You're not being ambushed. You are the ambush. You, <laughs> you are not the threatened. You're the threat. You're not the minority. You're the majority, right? You're not being overwhelmed. You are overwhelming the kingdom of darkness. You are the ambush. You know, I never quite understood this until I lived it recently and God gave me a picture for it. Your church is partnering with us on a pretty deep level. I got to spend some quality time with Pastor Joel and Pastor Jen out in Florida where we had a hand-picked room full of leaders who had some, had the type of mindsets who I don't want to just minister to now, I want to minister to 10 years from now. And I want to build a strategy that's so big that you can never put a name on it, that it had to remain completely autonomous to just the church that the evangelical local churches would get all the credit and all the exposure. I mean, we, we, we really watched as God began to train us. You know, we, I'll never forget when we were told we were in Honduras and we met with the president of Honduras and, and he said, uh, we said, Mr. President, the country's in pain. Your homicide rate is here. Your suicide rate is here. Your poverty lines are extending, not decreasing. But we said, Mr. President, what if in some small way God is speaking to your nation through the prophet Isaiah when he says, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a people be reborn in a moment? We said, Mr. President, we want to petition you for five things. Number one, would you stand with us two years from now in the largest stadium and the largest city of your nation declaring Honduras is a new nation? Number two, would you open up all the borders so we can ship in millions of dollars of humanitarian aid with no red tape? Number three, would you give us access to every high school in your nation so we can bring an army of 2,000 missionaries to preach Jesus, do an altar call, and a follow-up campaign for anyone that makes an eternal decision? Number four, would you give us the 18 largest stadiums in the 18 largest cities of your nation? And number five, would you underwrite all the audio, visual, and lighting for those stadiums? You know, just some small asks, <laughs> little tiny ones to, to really 
journey a world leader. Well, President Lobososa was so moved, he took a resolution out of his desk and signed it in a motion, and it passed 30 days later in the Honduran government unanimously, and it birthed this model we call One Nation, One Day. I, I mean, there is story after story of bringing in these missionaries and doing mass outreaches. We went from Honduras to Dominican Republic. We watched God move there. Then we went to Nicaragua and we had such a massive team that we reached one in every seven people in the nation, in the total population of Nicaragua, face to face with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that is a militant manpower of a united church. A united church is an unstoppable church. And our last big footprint was in Peru. We had 10,000 missionaries from 43 different nations, 150 plus organizations represented, pounding ground for seven days as we spent 18 months softening the heart of the regions and then culminating into targeted outreach, bringing in these 10,000 missionaries to go after different places. I mean, we, we dug 47 citywide water wells, much like what you've done in five days. We did 3,000 high schools in five days. We went, uh, started a women's movement, a youth movement. These are still going on to this day. We, did, uh, we uh, did 14 medical clinics in 12 different cities that was powered by 1,000 medical professionals spread across the nation. I can't tell you about the, uh, the amount of millions of pairs of shoes, the millions of blankets, the millions of pounds of food. The firefighter, we trained every firefighter through the Firefighter for Christ training. We went and did uh, sports clinics. We went and did uh, uh, um, political forums, education forums, business forums, all discipleship based on kingdom leadership and practice, uh, practices and ethics. And then we culminated into 10 stadiums on the same night at the same time, packed it out and never advertised one name, not one band, not one man. We always say it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And Jesus has no problem filling up stadiums if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And we watched as in seven days, we, wa we watched in seven days, 1.1 million people give their lives to Jesus and were still found in a local church four weeks later. That is unheard of. That's history. You've never seen those retention ratios in mass scaled movements. Because even at the end of that, talking about I'm an ambush. I mean, we, I, I didn't go to school for this. I don't know if anyone else in ministry or in life, I, I didn't go to school for what I'm doing. I mean, there's like 50% of the rooms probably like, I went to school for this and now I do this. I, I didn't, I, I'm from the hood. What am I doing talking in presidential palaces and heads of state and ambassadors? What, what I, 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 I'm trying to beat my seven-year-old senseless in a, seven, in a matching game. But I am I'm, I'm an ambush. I'll never forget, just before Peru, it was the end of 2018, we just got off a video conference call with uh, the vice president of Ecuador. And he was inviting us to come and do this model, this strategy in his nation. As we closed out that conversation, the Holy Spirit spoke to our team, our exec team, and said, you are not going to Ecuador, I'm reassigning the ministry. And we said, okay, um, where, where, where do you want to take the vision? And he said, I want to make an aggressive move on America. And we said, okay, Lord, where do you want to start? And he said, I want to start in Los Angeles. <laughs> we were like, surely you mean Dallas, <laughs> Tulsa, you know, Houston, or somewhere, you know, somewhere Bible Belt, you know, ministry saturated, Bible friend, not hostile to the gospel. I mean, people where they won't kill us, you know. And he said, no, I want to start in LA because if it works in Los Angeles, it'll work anywhere. And you will be running to starting lines, not finishing lines from now on. We said, okay. So we, you know, we we're headquartered right in Orange County. And um, we said, okay, Lord, this is a new territory, the most developed nation in the world, arguably the media capital hub of the world. We said, okay, wh where do we do it? He said, start by uniting the church, gather the church. 
In about 60 days, a lot of legwork, we gathered 641 senior pastors into a hotel ballroom in downtown LA who all said unanimously, this is not something you should do. This is something you have to do. You have to move on the city now. I mean, that type, that's the largest faith coalition ever represented in all of Los Angeles. It's already history. And so we said, okay, Lord, what do we do next? And he said, start by paying off medical debt. Pretty interesting. But in 12 months, we watched the Lord pay off $47 million worth of medical debt for 23,000 families below the poverty line. I'm talking about all the purchasable medical debt for Compton, Inglewood, Long Beach, Watts. I mean, I can go down a whole list. People getting letters in the mail saying, hey, your medical debt's been dissolved, no strings attached. And if you need anything, contact Pastor Joel, who lives, uh, whose church is about three miles from your house because we would geolocate them from their position. Again, we, our job is to platform the local church, not ask the local church to platform us. I, 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 I remember the Lord said, okay, we start foster, medical debt. And he says, now go after foster care, which this was a new play to me. I had never thought about this, but come to find out Los Angeles has the largest foster care system in America. 40,000 kids right now in the foster care system in LA, a $700 million federal allocation towards just this one space. I mean, it's huge. They spend $70 million a year and they would on advertising, they would generate maybe a hundred leads. We came to them and said, how can we help? They said, we just don't have enough people wanting to step into the foster care realm. We said, okay, can we, if we bring you people, would it help? They said, absolutely. We said, okay, we don't have millions, but we could put fire on this vision and put in front of the church. And we watched in 30 days, thousands of leads started to pour into the foster care system. It made such a huge dent in the system. We just got invited now about eight months ago to a special uh, uh, city council meeting, which their board of supervisors, and they said, we have created legislature and policy to keep the church out of leading the city. We are now dissolving all of it, creating four advisory positions for senior pastors of local churches. We never thought about tapping the shoulder of the faith-based community, and we want them telling us where the needs are at and helping us steer to meet and serve the people of the city. Friend, that's revival. That's transformation. That's sustainable. Then we... Uh, we, the Lord said, now I want you to go after the prisons. I mean, we planted a church in all 35 state penitentiaries because we said when a convict becomes a convert, they have a community to continue to establish covenant with God both in and outside the prison and we can break the generational curse of repeat offense. Come on, we need to break it off. We need a generation to be at home, to find their purpose and to find God all in the middle of that. Then we went and said, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to throw out all these plays because we're an ambush. We said, Lord, America needs its families back. The only way we get our families back is we get our fathers back. The only way we get our fathers back is if we call them into authentic manhood and fatherhood. So we said, Lord, give us vision, give us favor. And we were able to host a mass gathering. I think it was one of the first of its kind in Los Angeles during the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if COVID happened in Texas. It definitely happened in California. Not Texas and Florida, but definitely in California. All right, we had rolling restrictions. You had, uh, hot, I mean, high-level bands on every place and community. Couldn't sing in church. I mean, it was just wild to see what God was, was working through and still providing this miracle. And we were able to gather in the Bank of California Stadium and filled it. And between the in-person and online viewing audience, we had 100,000 men complete a 30-day Brave Co. Fatherhood Manhood Challenge. All of them saying, I'm going to step in to manhood and fatherhood and take spiritual responsibility of my sphere of influence. 
I mean, I, I wish I could tell you about the food. We shipped in millions of pounds of food every, uh, uh, every weekend. We gave out at that time 10 millions in GIK, which is gifts in kind. That's your beds, your dressers, your fridges, your clothing, your home good products, all uh, being uh, supplied by Fortune 500 companies. I mean, it was wild to see what God was doing. And then we knew that we were gonna culminate and celebrate all that God did, all that the church stepped into, into a stadium moment. We had put, uh, we got a call from the Memorial Coliseum where we had put six figures down. And they said, hey, we, um, we're sorry to give you this news, but we're gonna have to dissolve your contract. We can't host you in our stadium. We're like, why? And they said, well, the neighboring stadium, literally across the street, inked their contract before we did with you. And if we have two big events going on at the same time, the infrastructure will collapse, the traffic will be a nightmare. It'll cause all these problems and we're not allowed. So they got to it first. Sorry, we have to dissolve your contract. We have been casting a vision with a stadium moment and now we don't have a stadium. I mean, it was four hours later, we got a call from SoFi Stadium. This is this new $5 billion stadium built. I mean, this thing was built, I call it mine. This is my stadium. This thing was built for the gospel. I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's mine. And so I... I remember they called us and they said, um, they said that out of nowhere, four hours later, hey, um, Mission's Me, listen, we are really moved. We have heard about foster, the foster care, the medical debt, the millions of pounds of food, all the things that you've been doing, how you've been helping people. We want our name and brand attached to that. Can, can, do you still want to use SoFi? Can we give this to you? Can, can, do you want SoFi? And we said, well, look, your budget's here and ours is, we're a mission organization. We're like down here. And then you also told us there was two people in front of us for the date that we want and need. And they said, well, you are third in line, but let us call the first two people. We said, okay. And then they said, we'll work with you on the budget. We're like, okay. So the first person they call, hey, Taylor Swift. Here's what's going on in LA. They unpacked the whole vision. Taylor is so moved. She says, I'll definitely move my date. And Taylor moves her date with no fees attached to it. I became an instant Swifty right there. I ain't never heard her music, but I'm telling you right now, Taylor Swift for president. I don't know, something like that, right? Uh, and then the next person they called, hey, Kenny Chesney, here's what's going on July 24th. Can you move your date? They unpacked the whole vision. Kenny's like, absolutely, I move my date. Kenny moves his date. Then they call us, hey, mission's me. <laughs> you want SoFi Stadium? We're like, mm, sure, absolutely. We would love that stadium. They said, okay, it's yours. The next day, we get a call. It was these guys, they started this small music festival you may have heard of. It's uh, Coachella. And... <laughs> These guys helped found Coachella, still run it. And they said, uh, hey, listen, we have heard about everything that you've been doing, the medical debt, the foster care, the food, the care and aid, the, all the things that you've been doing, and we want our name attached to this. And listen, we're just tired of watching a generation come to these festivals and be overdosed and cart out in gurneys and get arrested and leave in handcuffs. We want to have some, these are great Jewish guys. They're like, we want to have some, some purpose to our life. And we said, cool. And they said, uh, they said could, could we run all your audiovisual lighting and streaming capacity for you? We're like, mm, sure, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. We're totally down. Then they said, well, well, who's your lineup? And, and we were like, listen, we've really postured a lot of great conversation and we'll be able to feed those names to you shortly. That means that's code for we're praying and we don't know, right? They said, well, you have 30 days. You're gonna have 30 days to feed your lineup. If not, we, that's our deadline and we can't meet our vendors and, and we're gonna have to pull out. We said, okay, no problem. 30 days, uh, you gotta, you gotta give us something. We said, okay, these guys called us back two weeks later. They're like, hey, we're freaking out over here. Who's the lineup? And we're like, listen, we've really seeded a lot of great opportunity. And we're gonna be able to get you those names shortly. We're gonna line up shortly. That's code for we're praying and fasting now, freaking out, breathing through a paper bag in the fetal position on my kitchen floor. 
Praise God, right? But we don't know, right? They called us 30 days, 30 days later, and they're like, hey, we need to know who's your lineup. And we're like, look, guys, honestly, you probably recognize we're a faith-based organization. By now, you know this. And our history in the nations has taught us to have a higher risk tolerance than perhaps people in your industry. That's called faith. All right, we're in church, but they would not understand. That's called faith. Higher risk tolerance, perhaps people in your industry. But listen, we have learned the miracle of giving God one more day. Would you stand with us? Just one more day. They said, one more day. I mean, longest day ever in my life. Like, it's LA. Come on, Oaks. This is Los Angeles. I could go get the top worship artists, the top uh, Christian worship leaders. I can go get all of them. But the only people who show up to that are Christians. And then I fill up a stadium and take pictures of, uh, of ourselves and we act like we did nothing, but we probably didn't even touch a soul. And I thought, I, I, Lord, Lord, you gave this strategy during a pandemic because you wanna do something fresh and new and I refuse to sour it and completely sugarcoat it with just the same of the old. And so I said, Lord, we, 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 our team started dreaming together. We said, who would pull LA? Who's a tier one influencer, global icon, who is a Christian? I mean, you know, that's a short list. And then we said, who's all of that and not afraid to share their faith about Jesus? Well, I mean, you know, that's an even shorter list. And then who will do it that, who do all that and do it with us July 24th, 2021? And it could only be any, meeny, miny, Justin Bieber. So we started praying heavily. I don't think I ate for like a week. <laughs> it's like, we started praying heavily. Sure enough, that day passes the next morning. It's probably like 7.30. Our exec team gets a call. It's literally a FaceTime from Justin Bieber. Says, hey, listen, I just got done hearing about what's taking place uh, in Los Angeles, and I love it. And God spoke to me. And he told me that I would stand with the Church of Los Angeles, and I would also use my platform and my influence to pull people out of their homes, off their phones, and into service on the campus of a local church to serve a minimum of four hours so they can get a wristband because we don't charge for these stadiums and we don't take up offerings ever in these stadiums. And then I would use all of my friends to come in and be able to put on a show, but at the end of the night, we need to tell them about Jesus. Can I be a part of this? We're like... JB, anytime your friends want to be like our friend, like we're Gucci with it. Like I'm so good with that. He said, well, can I help you build your lineup? It sounds like you don't have one. Can I help you build your lineup? Again, JB, anytime your friends want to be our friends, like we good with that. He jumps on another phone while we're sorting out details and he starts picking up, hey, Chance the Rapper. I need you, July 24th. Chance is like, bet, I'm there. Hey, Jaden Smith, I need you. Hey, Tori Kelly. He starts calling all these people and builds a lineup Coachella and have. These guys in Coachella didn't believe us. I, mean, I remember calling, and we were like, hey, how do you feel about Justin Bieber, Jaden Smith, Tori And they're like, this is what they said, no effing way. I was like, no, there's a way. There, praise God, there's a way. And they said, there's no way. We've never even got that at Coachella. And, and we put the phones together, and we're like, hey, Justin, tell this to, 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 uh, to Ray. And, and, and they're like, man, it's going to be awesome. It's like, it's going to be incredible. We're going to fill the stadium. It's going to be powerful. And the, all I hear is, beep. You know, all these cuss words coming out of the phone. It's great. So, like, I... And then they hung up. That's how we got the stadium. That's how we got the lineup. And we filled it to COVID capacity. And we watched as people came out of their homes and started serving on the campus of a local church for four hours, got a wristband that gave them access in the SoFi Stadium where they came in and it, the whole night turned into a worship night. You probably saw clips of it. It was called the Freedom Experience with Justin Bieber. But we didn't put any of our names. We didn't put any of our tattoos. We don't care. We want the church to get the credit. We want the church to be the ambush. We want the church to watch itself 
itself becomes sustainable unlike anything else. You do realize the church is the most sustainable vehicle in any sphere of society. It's not government. It's not politics. It's not education. It's not, it's the local church that handles all the change that shapes culture that speaks to the towers and all these powers that present themselves like they can run things. It's really the local church. And we watched, I mean, when you have that kind of lineup, you're pulling in people like, I remember we had Conor McGregor and his family on the front row. I mean, we had all the Kardashians. We had uh, uh, the Lakers, the Warriors. And we'll get my son on. We were sitting behind. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, we were just sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is wild. I mean, God's point, we had the top 200 social media accounts across all social media. The, what's them, the, the, uh, D'Amelio's, thank you. I always do that because they do the little TikToks, whatever, right? So, like, I, I'm like, I, we had the D'Amelio's to the LeBrands to everybody. We had the 32 out of 34 mayors in the LA proper area. We had the top uh, 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 Jewish elite from all the production houses from like Warner Brothers and Paramount, Disney Studios, Netflix, all of them. We had all of these pe- people who would never darken the door of a local church, but they would step foot in a stadium because Justin Bieber's there and God would put his favor and his anointing on the influence and we would hijack the night with a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and between the in-person and online audience, half a billion people watched that one night and streamed in. And I'm telling you, that is a bigger viewing audience than NBC, CBS, and ABC combined. Why would that happen? I'm an ambush. Here's the last thing. I want to close with this. If we're going to stay woke, number one, you're ahead. Oaks, I'm telling you, this church is ahead. I leaned over to Pastor John. I'm like, I just don't know very many churches that are cultivating and leading this. I, I don't. And you would think in Dallas, there's a church in every, I'm telling you, take it from someone who's in multiple churches every weekend. I'll probably, I normally do like two or three cities in one weekend. And I'm telling you, this, this is sacred. It's rare, special. Which is why it brings me to my third point. Number one, you're ahead. Number two, you're an ambush. Number three, I'm an answer. I'm tired of people talking about the church like it's the problem. No, the church is the answer. It's like talking about this generation. Well, they're, prob- they're a problem. They're a problem. They're, a pro- they're not a problem. They're the answer. They're not here sucking free air. They're an answer. I'm telling you this because I'm fully convinced that everything about your life is an answer to somebody else's. People watch you. They wait on you. They observe. They pay attention. They listen. They look at you. It doesn't matter how many followers you have. I was re- believe it or not, I was reading a, a quote from Snoop Doggy Dog yesterday. I didn't know I was going to quote him this morning. He said, having a lot of followers on social media is like being rich in Monopoly. Your influence is not there. Your opinions might be. Your influence is in McKinney. McKinney ISD. McKinney school boards. McKinney government. And then it's going to span from McKinney to Malaysia to Uganda. Come on, I'm talking about Bangladesh all the way to Brazil. I think God is erupting something. The diversity I see, the hunger I'm sensing, I'm talking about the alignment I feel in this room. Guys, I've been in stadiums that haven't felt what I'm feeling right now. I'm just happy that I get in some way. I'm I get to be connected to this in some way. 
you're an answer. This is why God interrupts Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 33, he says, call to me and I will answer. The fact that we could call and he promises, I'll answer. A lot of people call on other God, they don't answer. He says, call to me, I'll answer. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, call to me, I'll answer and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I think it's interesting because we've been in a, a season the last four to five years of a bunch of nexts. Who's the next president? What's the next issue? What's the next vaccine? What's the next division point? What's the next? What's the next? Who's the next? The next, the next, the next. And now we're being discipled and conditioned by next. God doesn't do next things. Isaiah 43, 19, he says, behold, I do a new thing. Not the next thing. He's not gonna do a, new, a next oaks. This is a new version of what God wants to produce in this city. In the, this is brand new. Nobody in this room has been the way that God is trying to journey Oaks Church. Get ready for pioneering. Get ready for a great reset. I'm telling you, get ready for a great realignment. God is shaping something in this church that's gonna be discipled in the thousands of others. Because he's saying, behold, I do a new thing. But then his heart breaks as he's asking his people, Israel, behold, I do a new thing. Don't you see it? And then he says, I will make roadways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. In other words, I'm gonna do something so new, you're gonna know me as the God of the impossible. It'll be that new. I'm gonna go after what's not been touched. I'm gonna take down the sacred cows. I'm gonna go after what's breaking protocol, man-made traditions, and I'm gonna erupt the spirit of the living God on the inside of you, and I'm gonna claim you for something more. You're not gonna live just Sunday to Sunday. No, you're gonna be a weapon on Tuesday. You're gonna be fire on Friday. I'm telling you, there is something about what God is doing in this church. You just need to stay woke. Would you stand up with me? I recognize there could be people both here and online that you're waking up to, I don't have to be in pain. I don't have to be in my addiction. I don't have to be in my struggle. I don't, I don't have to be in my confusion. And God is waking you up. Let me tell you something. You look around this room, there are people who've been touched by God and that one touch brought them out of misery it brought them out of so much struggle, wickedness, demonic torment. It was one touch from God. And that touch was the touch of salvation. If you surrender your life to Jesus, Jesus gets to be ruler of your life. It said, basically, it says it like this. You can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Right? Not homeboy, best friend guy I talk to on Sundays. Jesus is Lord and you will not perish but you'll have everlasting life. Lord literally means ruler, decision maker, master. In other words, if the enemies, the dark, the enemies of darkness or enemies in darkness come to haunt you or come after you, your Lord will do war with them and you won't even know about it. There's something about being healed and something about being whole. Healing shows that you got, you got set free. Wholeness shows you can't even tell it was ever there. This is when he becomes Lord. And I just wonder if there's people in this room, you're tired of the struggle, you're tired of the pain, 
the mental torment. You're tired of the hopelessness. You're tired of being dry. You're tired of the religious activity, but no real fire in relationship. Maybe you're just tired and you just want to give your life to Jesus because you've been running. I don't care what position or where you're at. I just want every head bowed, every eye closed. If you wouldn't mind, just with all strength and conviction and passion, saying, Pastor Chris, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus or I want Jesus to reclaim my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I believe there's people online doing it as well. I want to pray. We got hands raised. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to ask you to repeat after me. In church, could you pray with some volume and say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I declare I am yours. I declare I'm ahead. I'm an ambush, and I'm an answer. I declare I belong to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank God? Can we just give him some praise for a moment? Thank you, Lord. I want to pray as this this message has probably moved some people to, to begin to think different, move differently in life, see things differently. Had people, multiple people walking up going, you were speaking and God was just giving me idea after idea, strategy after strategy. This is what happens when you talk about sight and vision. It's interesting how a pandemic came in 2020 and we realized we didn't have as much vision as we thought we had until now. God just woke you up correctly. And I don't know where you're at across this room, but perhaps you've got a business plan. Perhaps you need vision for your marriage or you've got that one kid in your house and you're like, God, I don't, I don't quite know the next steps, but I know that you're with me and you need vision and you need strategy. Maybe you're about to go to college and you're like, God, give me a vision. Maybe you're about to step into something new and you've never done this before. You've never been this way before. And God's saying, I'll give you vision. No matter what it is, I want to ask for a grace to come on this room to get our sight right. Can we pray for just one? If that's you, if you say, Pastor, you're speaking right to me. I want fresh vision, fresh sight. I want strategies beyond me. I want to move past my own level of faith. I want to be holy. I want to have a holy harassment of vision that's you, would you take your hand, put it on your heart. I see a lot of hands. Father, I wake up your people now in Jesus' name. I call them out of weakness. I call them out of passivity. I call them out of casual, Lord, and I establish them in devotion, strong commitment that you would layer after layer, Lord, that you would make, make known, make clear the next steps, the next season, fresh vision, I declare it into your life right now. Lord, we make room for the new, room for the impossible. God, give us the ability to dream past what's never been done, what's been attempted and failed at, God. Lord, align us in such a way. I pray for prophetic sight and strategy right now. I remove every bit of discouragement. I remove the fear of failure. I remove it now in Jesus' name. I remove the fear of rejection. I remove the fear of humiliation scared of what others might think or say or laugh at you God we would have this conviction move people forward like never before I declare the grace to get our sight right coming on every man everyone now in Jesus name I also feel like God is healing bodies I don't know I feel like everything's nothing's off limits 
I feel like there are people, I don't know what it is. I feel in my heart, there's someone with a heart murmur. God's healing you right now. I also see lost vision in your left eye. God's healing it right now. You may be here, you may be online, wherever you're at, God's gonna touch you. I see that people are having to take um, blood thinning medicine. God's gonna take care of that blood disorder. You're gonna get healed. Also see, I see a, a person trying to get pregnant. God's gonna open your womb. You're gonna have babies. I break the hopelessness off of you. You're gonna have babies. I see, um, you know, I, I, I think healing in many ways is an undoing. You grew up one way, and now that you've come into this great church, you're gonna unlearn things and relearn them the correct way. That's a great healing too. I also feel like, man, I feel, this, I don't know if this is healing. I feel like there are a lot of people who think they've missed their moment. Oh, I, I could have had it back then. I should have taken advantage of it then. I, the door was open then. It was all about back then, back then, back then. I'm here to tell you, we serve a big God. And he can bring those moments right back around. Let me remind you, the Bible says that he will cause the years that the locusts have eaten to be given back to you. That doesn't mean he's going to add years to your life. It means in what you got left, he's what you should have had. And the locusts took it from you. The lies took it from you. The insecurities took it from you. He's going to make sure you get all of it. I'm here to tell you your opportunity has not been missed. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. You're going to shake the ground with your walk. You're going to shake the ground with your prayers. You're going to do something in God. I'm telling you, you're going to touch his heart in such a special way. He'll have no choice but to unleash what he wants in your life. I'm telling you, you didn't mess up. You didn't miss it. I break those lies. Those, that's a poverty mentality. I break it off for you right now. I also feel like the mental trauma of the last five years. I really mean this. I believe God can do a healing. Call me crazy. But I have watched both in scripture where a man who was not in his right mind had an encounter with Jesus and he was sitting next to him in his right mind having a meal and asking Jesus questions. That tells me God can touch the mind. I don't know where you've at. There could be trauma and tragedy in this room. I know that for our family, we experienced that in 2020. I'm telling you, if you have been mentally bombarded. I feel like even in the last 30 days, for some reason, pow, it's increased. I'm here to tell you, God's going to break it off of your life. I come against every dark thought, every heavy emotion. I come against every lie so well-crafted, tried to plant and embed itself in your heart. I come against it now in Jesus' name. I say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. I loose you. No more pain of the past. No more regrets. No more lies. I come against the, the mental trauma. I got news for you. God is not testing you with trouble. He is trusting you with trouble. When you understand this, you'll understand the kingdom of God, that he will trust you with giants. He will trust you with wars that need to be fought. He will trust you with your voice. God is not trying to, he is trusting us. I release it on you. Father, I ask for healing to move across this room. I ask for healing to go through the stream and touch people where they're at, no matter where you're at. I don't care what state you're watching from, what country you're watching from. If you need a miracle from God, I release it on you now. Be healed. Be healed. Your blood's being healed. 
your heart's being healed. Your left eye's being healed. Your left knee is being healed. The car accident that happened in November of last year, I'm telling you, all of that being healed right now. We even declared over Pastor Jennifer, Lord, quick recovery, quick recovery. Faster than any doctor expected, God, we release it on her right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for our sight to be right. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Can we thank God for just a few moments? Can we thank God? Thank you, Lord. I'm sorry, but I feel like somebody's left foot. You need to check your left foot. You just got healed. Your left foot. God's highlighting this to me. Your left foot. I don't know what kind of pain you had, but your left foot. Just move it around. Do what you couldn't do. I'm telling you, God just touched your body. Family, about two years ago, I, came, I called my kids into the living room. My wife and I had just had this conversation, and we said, hey, we're not doing Christmas this year. One of my kids said, are we broke? I said, well, you are, but I'm not. And they said, uh, they said are we broke? And I said, no. I said, God's really speaking to your mom and I about challenging you financially. Because I think that you have to grow this spiritual muscle in your life called generosity and thinking of others. And I want you to learn it now so that you're not shocked when God asks you in your 20s or when you're married. I said, so we're not doing presents this year. The money we would have spent on presents, we're actually going to take that money and we're going to sow it into different ministries, organizations, and missionaries and pastors. And then we're going to take pictures of that, put it in a picture frame, wrap that, and that's what we'll uh, unwrap uh, the morning of Christmas. So, so my kids chose, I don't remember, you chose a couple pastors. Uh, my youngest daughter chose Israel and the Dream Center. It was awesome. And we unwrapped it on Christmas morning. It was great. Fast forward another year into uh, October the next year, called my kids and I said, hey, we're going to do Christmas. The sigh of relief that hit the room was pretty special. It was like, oh, thank God. I said, but your birthday's next year. Those birthdays, um, you're not doing any gifts. In fact, the people who had bought you gifts, I want them to take that money and we're going to point it towards uh, something I just signed you four up for. I didn't use my name. I used your four names and you are going to build a 25-kid orphanage in India, and they need you to raise $38,750 in the next seven months. May God be with you. And they were like, what? Well, they went through a couple of birthdays and realized very quickly that birthday money was not going to get this done. So I'll never forget my kids said, Dad, we know that you weren't going to help us. We know you're not making phone calls for us or writing letters or talking to donors or none of that. But we want to, I remember, we want to leverage one ask. I said, okay, and they said, um, could you contact this individual because they designed for people like Justin Bieber and Post Malone, some of Taylor's um, touring stuff that she has right now. I mean, very well-known designer. And would you ask him to design shirts after mom and yours messages and her music and curriculums that we have? And would you ask them to design shirts and we would take the profit off of those shirts, sell them and then point that to this orphanage. I said, absolutely, that's a brilliant idea. So I called, sure enough, he does it. My kids in six months raised $38,750 and they just broke ground on that orphanage this month in July. It's awesome. So we, we have some of those shirts today and, and uh, this is now our second line because we're using this for different projects we come across as a family. Like uh, some of what we're doing is helping out uh, 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 people in Sri Lanka. 60% of Sri Lanka only eats one meal a day. And that's not because uh, there's no food. It's because food is that expensive. I don't know about you. I- I'm not okay with that. So we're gonna, we bought farmland. We're starting to sell uh, uh, um, crops and milk and cheese with chickens and cows be- at pre-COVID prices because we don't need the overhead. 
And we're just trying to feed a nation and trying to use it as an outreach. And so these shirts are helping us uh, reposition pastors and getting them some help. I mean, it's awesome what God does. But we have some of these shirts. I want to show them to you. This one here is just literally fire, but fueled by fire. I mean, these are amazing. Go and pick these up. Then we got this one. This is one of my personal faves. This is a message we have called Risk It All. Luck's got nothing to do with it. Uh, you can go get this one. That's the back. That's the front. We got a lot out there. You probably passed by. We also have this message called Finisher. Everybody say Finisher. How I many you know the world's impressed by what you start, but it's transformed by what you finish? That's why Jesus is the greatest finisher ever. That's why he says, I'm the author and the of your faith, right? I am faithful to complete the things that I start. What did he say on the cross? It is. Listen, I'm telling you, if you have a habit of starting things but not finishing them or procrastinating or getting distracted or discouraged, get this message. It'll bless you. We also have this one right here. I think the greatest attack that's happening right now, not just in America, but across the globe, is on identity. How many can say amen to that? They're trying to tell you you were born a certain way when you weren't. They're trying to tell you you should change this about yourself when you shouldn't. Are you following me? And fact is, I think a lot of people don't enjoy their life not because of what they do. It's because they don't know who they are. And they forgot that if you don't know who you are, you won't know who you're called to because your destiny has to do more with a who than a what. Let me put you like this. I worked at a Bible college now 14 years and I will always have these these young girls come up, Pastor Chris, where's my bow at? I thought I was going to get married tomorrow. Everybody's like in heat. It's weird, right? Like, we're going to get married tomorrow. Where's my bow at? I need my bow at. My tall, dark, handsome, got to be rich, super rich, good looking, rich, super rich, love God, but rich. Make sure he's rich. Boaz. And I'm like, well, when you become Ruth, you'll get Boaz. But Ruth didn't become Ruth unless she stayed with Naomi. Just like David didn't become King David unless he stayed with the prophets. The, the disciples didn't become apostles unless they stayed with Jesus. Saul didn't become the apostle Paul unless he stayed with Barnabas. What am I telling you? Your alignments determine your assignments. If you're not enjoying your life, it's because you don't know who you are. And this is a kingdom. This is not an end all. This is an invitation to a journey. This is done all online. It's on video. This is the workbook. There's the access code for everything. You do it on any device, any tablet. Go and pick this up. That's out there. And then the last one we have is habits. How I many you know, I believe that your habits will make up what your life is. He says this in Timothy. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising you benefits in this life and the one to come. How I many you know we need some more spiritual muscle? We need some spiritual gains. And we need to go back to the basics. Psalms 14 verse 2 says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, if you don't have the basics. I'm talking about praying, reading, and meditating on God's word. How do you do that? That's in here. How to have an effective prayer life. That's in here. How to have fasting that changes atmospheres and climates. That's in here. A supernatural lifestyle to see healing signs and wonders. That's in here. Generosity, servant. Go and get this. If you're looking for a great uh, uh, realignment, please go. Get, again, it's all done. This is a workbook. You can take notes if you follow along. And then um, this is all the access code. Do it on any device. Please go and get this. Guys, thank you so much for letting me be here this morning. I'm so glad that Oaks Church is here in this area. I look forward to meeting you guys. Come see us at the table.